1: We are now in the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. I am Josh Dunn. I am joined by Anshu Khanna. And if you could believe it, Anshu, we are officially back. I didn't think we'd see the day. I mean, we've had such a weird run of it. And we'll get to all of that. But Anshu, I know how you are in other terms. But I always ask you at the beginning of the show how you are. And I know a lot has changed in your life personally. <laughs> and a lot has been going on in the sports world. Uh recently as things are picking back up and i know you and i are both excited to get this show back on the road quite literally
0: (laughs) i yes i've been waiting a while to hear those nine words come out of your mouth and uh yeah i'm excited and yes i did just count those words out you can fact check me on that but (laughs) i uh i'm excited man it's good to be able to do this show again with you and um i know we have at least one very happy appliance to be listening to us speak so I'm I'm pumped and uh yeah it's a lot's been going on but also like nothing's been going on so should be fun to uh go through like the beginning of the the restart with you.
1: Yeah, let's let's start with what what kind of happened. Obviously the last time we taped a show was right at the end of of the Super Bowl uh <laughs> cycle and obviously football season ended, we decided we were going to take a quick break and we expected to get back into the swing of things. Uh, talking NBA fantasy, talking baseball coming back, and then obviously March
0: Madness.
1: And March Madness obviously is obviously a big one for us. That that's what, and that's literally when when shit hit the fan is March Madness kind of went by the wayside right in the midst of the conference tournament. So obviously, you and I have talked a lot about how that felt for for two people who are obviously enormous sports fans, sports being a huge part of both of our lives. But I, I think our listeners will want to hear kind of especially from you. I mean, you're 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 uh, even to a level of obsession beyond mine with sports. What was it like? uh, You know, tell our listeners what was going through your mind as you started to see things come out, that college basketball was going to be, you know, that the tournament was being canceled, not delayed. You saw NBA was being pushed back and maybe not even going to be able to finish. So just talk through the the mindset that you were going through at that time.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, I'm sure we were kind of on the same page, but for me, I would say specifically and our buddy stove, like, seeing March madness canceled was like, uh, man, it was torture. I I'll just never forget sitting there that Thursday before, um, you know, selection Sunday. And you just knew in the back of your mind and the pit of your stomach that like, you know, it was very unlikely that any of these games are going to be played. And you're watching ga- conference tournaments, games with like no fans in the stands, which, you know, we have now, but they've obviously accommodated for that for TV purposes. And, um, you know, at that time it was just eerie and like this sort of looming sense that everything was about to, like you said, like the shit hit the fan. And, you know, and and just knowing that we might not have what I think is a top three, you know, sports day of the year, which is Selection Sunday and then that subsequent week. And, um, you know, obviously everything that's happened since then, it's kind of like that hope that you have, but you know that it's not going to realize in a positive way. And it was – it's been like that, and I, I would say it's crazy that, you know, that was kind of around when we did our last shows, because I felt that way a little bit today um, with, like, some of the college football news, and that, you know, there are some conferences that are trying to force through and play, and then others aren't, and, um, you know, it truly has come full circle from college basketball's postseason to college football's preseason, and just that sort of sense, I don't know if you have this, I mean, we have, like, we joke about this looming sense of dread all the time with our sports teams, and, like, just that inherent pessimism that we kind of have I mean you you bring it out more than I do I think but uh you know it's just it's one of those things that like now I'm almost surprised when things happen and even when they do even when there's some joy there's just this sort of like looming negative sense so I'm really hoping you know that the NFL which is going to be our primary you know our, our focus really over the next few months hopefully again um you know kind of is the light because throughout this you know this break we've had the nfl draft and, and throughout it you know roger goodell has basically been like i i don't care what's happening i'm this is just gonna happen for me so i'd like to hear what you had to say that think or you know what your thoughts process has been too because i'm i'm guessing that we're kind of on the same page here with how we feel
1: yeah and I, like i said you and i have talked a lot about it I i just wanted to like Let our listeners in to to our mindset because it's one of those things. We've never experienced anything like this before and everybody's experiencing it, right? Especially Mm -hmm. in in this country. I know some countries are handling the pandemic a little bit differently and better or whatever. But Mm -hmm. everybody that you talk to on a day-to-day basis is experiencing – you know, the effects of this, of this pandemic. So if you're a sports fan and I know you and I, whenever we talk to our friends or go out or talk to strangers, sports come up, right? It's, it's, it's like the one thing you go to in a conversation that you feel comfortable talking about. So obviously it gravitates that way a lot, a lot of times. And now everybody can talk about the fact that there hasn't been sports. So, you know, we went a long time without recording a show and obviously we missed, you know, having the opportunity to talk about this on this platform, but at the same time, there wasn't a lot that we missed out on talking about, right? There wasn't, right. There wasn't, right. There wasn't really sports going on, and it, it was just kind of this weird several-month period. I had people asking, are you going to bring a podcast back? Are you going to be able to do mm-hmm. it again? And you, know, you, you, want to, you want to do it, but you don't know, you know what the situation is going to look like, and luckily we've had an opportunity to get this thing going again. So it's been very strange. Uh, you mentioned the pessimism. Obviously, I'm, I'm pessimistic as a sports fan. Anybody that listens to the show and, and and hears about my trials as a Bengals fan understands that. But when you when you look at what's happening, and we're gonna we're gonna kind of walk through what the NBA is doing and talk about our our thoughts on that. We're gonna talk about baseball and what's gone on there with some teams having some positive tests. And we wanted to get to the college uh, football news that that came out these last couple of days. But yeah, it's just been a challenging situation, and, and it's not just. Obviously, sports are an escape from, you know, the day to day grind and the political landscape and all of those things for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And we haven't had those escapes the way that we are used to having them. And I, I know you and I texting back and forth. I I, I was watching like all star games from the '80s uh, that, that <laughs> yeah. were reruns or, or the '90s. I, I was watch, we watched a couple Penny Hardaway all star games. And this nostalgia is great. But there's nothing like not knowing what's going to happen in a sporting event. There's nothing it's like the that. It's the ultimate feeling.
0: reality show, for yeah. sure. And we lost that. Yeah.
1: Yep. So it's it's good to have that back, albeit very different. Um, and we'll talk. Like I said, we'll get to what w- what's going on in some of the leagues that uh, that that are going on already, and and some of them that are coming up as as the NFL and uh, you know uh, the NBA and, and and baseball are looking toward the restarts, and obviously a couple of them already have. But let's let's start. Uh, because it was something that's top of mind based on when this story came out. You had college football going back and forth. The first domino to fall was the Mac. They decided that they're going to push off their season at least until the spring. That's the hope is that they could still get it in in the spring. And then reports were coming out that a few Big Ten teams were going to join the Big 12 for the season so they could still play, and the Big Ten was looking at potentially canceling. That was officially announced, I believe it was, was it yesterday or this morning.
0: It was this morning. This yeah. morning.
1: So the mm-hmm. Big Ten officially comes out and says they're postponing uh, regular season play, that they're also going to try to play in the spring. The Pac-12 comes out, and they suspend sports all the way through the end of the year. And then you have the ACC and the SEC saying they still plan to play things out and not change the plan. So not only like is there a disconnect with, with certain conferences, but... What does this do to the, the the college football playoff? What does this do to the college football landscape? Obviously, you're going to have players that are opting out. And, and and remember, we talk about this all the time. These players aren't being compensated for getting on the field and playing, and they're putting themselves at risk by playing a game that they love, but they're not getting paid for. So I, I wanted to hear your thoughts on on kind of the, the way that some of these stories have come out and, and the way these conferences are handling it, and then ultimately – what your thoughts are, if you were in that situation, what decision would you make?
0: Oh, man, that's a great question. First of all, I thought the way that you uh, kind of summarized the last few months were, were much better articulated than me, not surprisingly. So, yeah, that, I mean, well awesome. said. But I I, <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, from a college football perspective, the other the other conference that you hadn't mentioned was the Big 12, which over the last, I think, the last two hours, basically came out and said, they're going to try to play this fall. So, you know, you've got three of the power five are saying one thing. The other two are saying another and the big 10, you could argue, I mean, I know we're in big 10 countries, so maybe I'm biased, but you know, this is, it's a, it's basically the, you know, the sec and the big 10 are the, are the primary college football conferences in terms of like the superpowers, you know, of of the college football world. And so I think that, You know, it shows a complete lack of centralized leadership, first of all, and something that they're in dire need of. From the NCAA. From the NCAA, exactly. I mean, the NCAA is a joke. We all know that, both for college basketball and football, but especially the way that they've handled this. I just, you know, this is something we haven't gotten a chance to talk to or talk about, like, at least, you know, obviously recording-wise, but, like, Rod Manfred totally bungled the MLB situation and, you know, Roger Goodell, I think has done a pretty good job. Adam Silver's done a great job, in my opinion, in terms of the bubble and, and even Gary Butman's done pretty well. The NCAA doesn't even have a name you can point to, which is a problem because, you know, they I think this is almost a worst case scenario. You've now got five individual, you know, silos, essentially. Um, in college football that are all operating on by their own accord, but yet they're all expected to abide by the same sort of rules. And I, I just, I don't know how you can operate that way. Um, you know, you, they're all, all these players are going to the draft ultimately, or, or, you know, that's the, the goal. And you have so many competing interests from both player coaches and, you know, and obviously the financials tied to these schools from like an AD perspective and a chancellor perspective. I just don't know how you can set different rules for different conferences. And I thought that when the big 10 domino fell, that would, that would set it off. Um, But, you know, obviously, and the other, the other issue is even within the big 10, you have dissenting voices. I mean, you have Nebraska wanting to potentially get a season in, which is insane to me. Like, I mean, like you can't even get your own 14 member organizations to get on the same page. Like it's, that blows my mind. Like, imagine if, you know, baseball or the NBA decided to have a bubble, but like five teams said, no, nah, we're we're good on that. Like, we don't want to do a bubble. We want to play in our home stadium with fans. I mean, that would just be absurd, right? Like that's it's just a crazy thought process. So to me, I think the takeaway is that the NCAA is just a complete cluster. And I think it's kind of emblematic of, not to make this like a political thing, but I think it's emblematic of like the way that this country's people are sort of, competing against each other in terms of the way that they're handling things, you know, like each state's handling things differently. No one can seem to agree on anything. And I I think that college football sort of symbolizes that. In that like, you know, can we not get just like the same opinion from doctors and have all the schools and all the people sort of understand that this is what it needs to be. I mean, and I'm not saying which side's right or wrong. I just want like, why can't they just get on the same page? You know, I I just, it blows my mind.
1: That's a really good point. I I honestly didn't really think of how, how how there's not really a top-down leadership voice to be heard in NCAA. It's like it's like every man for themselves, every conference for themselves, every, every right. team for themselves. I mean, you heard about – I think it was four teams from the Big Ten that said they wanted to be able to play in the Big 12 this season. Mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. is that even something that can be done? And I have not heard a, a concrete answer on whether or not that would even be allowed or, or legal or allowed under the rules of – I just – you're right. There, there should no be idea. there yeah. should be some level of direction for these schools as opposed to you know do what you want to do figure it out if you want to play a ten game conference schedule sure go for it the NCAA mm-hmm. is not stepping in and saying this is what 's going to happen and I, I think that as much as I'd love to see college football and you know the ACC plays great. I can watch you know ten games of, of Florida State terrible football and <laughs> at, at least I have at least I have something to do on Saturdays right but at mm-hmm. this as the safety concern and and you know again talking about these players and whether or not they should be compensated, whatever, but they're not at this point, is it worth you know putting all these 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 young kids out there on the football field and, and potentially at risk i don 't know i don't know how that's all going to look it 's a lot easier to do when you're a professional league and you' totally. pay, you're paying guys millions and millions of dollars. To dictate, you know what what they're going to do, and, and to allow them to make the decision whether or not they they want to go out there and, and risk their health or their family's health. So, it's
0: right.
1: it's it's a very weird situation. I think we're gonna. I, I this story, this book is not re- fully written yet for sure. No, we're gonna see totally. more dominoes fall with college football, and it, it's it's such a mess. And you you mentioned at the beginning of the show kind of how we've expressed our pessimism on things, and I, I've been overly pessimistic about just just sports being able to be played in general especially when we talk about the NFL which is obviously the the meat and potatoes of this show i just I, it's been so volatile in so many ways this whole situation you have good news one day bad news another day you know the 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 political landscape's crazy there's just so much going on and covid is like right at the center of this all and, mm-hmm. and, obviously we all want sports. We need them really. I mean, we do, I, I, I can say that very, <laughs> yeah. v- very, 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 very confidently, but I just, I don't know. I, I'm glad I'm not the one that has to make those decisions. Um, but yeah. sh- shifting, shifting over, because obviously college football we'll talk more about as things progress, but, and, and we'll get to the NFL. So we'll kind of bookmark it with football, but you talked about how some of these other commissioners have handled this and, and done it fairly well. And I want to shift to the NBA because if there's a league – and we could even throw hockey at the NHL into this as well. The way that they've handled the situation is exactly how it needed to be handled. They took a while to, to make a decision. They came up with a plan. They figured out a way to isolate the players, to isolate the, the teams, to isolate the staff. And if the players left the, the, the bubble situation that they established, they had to quarantine. And there haven't has not been one positive test since the bubble in the NBA, and, and that to mm-hmm. me is just crazy. There's 22 teams. They they already said it once. The teams eliminated. I think I think tomorrow they're they're leaving. Or there's four teams or five teams that have been mathematically eliminated. They're going to yeah. have to leave immediately. So they're 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 doing a really good job of of making it a safe situation, and listening to a lot of like player interviews and. You know, following some of the storylines in the bubble, you're starting to get that f- feel back from the NBA. Like, you know, you see the rivalry with Damian Lillard and Paul George, and uh, you yeah. know, you, they're, they're the, the TJ Warren. There's been some really, really cool storylines. It's it's starting to feel like like a real league again, even though it's not. And you see virtual fans. That the broadcasts have done a good enough job of making it feel close enough to the real product that I, I, I just I've been very impressed with. Um, You know, and and, and I think as the playoffs near and I think that's coming pretty quickly here, it's going to feel even more like, you know, the NBA. And I, I just I think it's important to recognize how good of a job they've done in a situation where it was going to be a really hard thing to do a good job of. And I know the NHL is doing it with two separate locations for the East and the West, and they've done a great job too. But I know we don't talk a lot of hockey on this show, um, which our Canadian listeners probably aren't too happy about. But, um, but, but yeah, what what are your thoughts on 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 what Adam
0: Silver and the NBA have done? I mean, it, like, unsurprisingly, you know, they – look, they, they had their hiccups. It's not like it was a perfect scenario, but – they didn't have a template to do this. Like no one else stepped out and tried to put their neck on the line and they did an unbelievable comprehensive job. Like, like, you know, you're not seeing teams like the blue Jays randomly not know where they're playing on opening day, like opening day, Eve, the blue Jays don't know where their next, their home games are going to be played. That's insane. And that's such an indictment. I think of Rob Manfred, like, you've got to be able to uncover every stone. And, and I mean, by all accounts, they totally didn't try to,
1: to do that.
0: And I, I think that the NBA, like, you know, I remember, I think that the one thing that got me through, I think, uh, you know, the months of no sports was the idea of when it might come back. And I think all along the NBA did a good job of like basically saying, look, we're going to do it a smart way when we do it. And even when they decided to, it felt early. But they were like, you know, this is six weeks of prep away. And they they took advantage of those six weeks. Like, are you going to tell me that if college football had been planning around this for six weeks, we wouldn't have everyone in the country playing? Like, I I just I think that the planning was just immaculate. And I mean, I I know that part of that is like we've learned more about the coronavirus and like the types of things that we need to do. But those just got sort of lopped on to their already really rock solid plan. and. The fact that nobody else is taking note of this. I mean, I I just we've talked about this like in person, but baseball literally plays in a bubble every freaking spring. Like, can you not just why didn't they just redo that? Just relive spring training. I mean, it was such a perfect setup for them that they didn't try to live out. You know, I know that those are in jurisdictions that are, you know, sort of hotbeds. But the NBA is playing in Orlando, too. Like, I just I'm so impressed with the way that Adam Silver was able to do that, given that he had no precedent to go off of. And now he's provided a template for other leagues and other organizations to follow. And it seems like no one's really taking the bait. I mean, he clearly, you know, they, they and I'm not going to give him all the credit. I, I think that the entire, you know, leadership of the NBA did a, a fantastic job of going along with it. Um, and you know, it's, you know, even the in-game down to the, the minutia of the in-game experience, it feels like I, you know, I was just watching Damian Lillard hang 60, like you said, in a huge game for them. And it, and it felt like a big game to your point. And like, even the, you know, the fan screens all around, and you can see that Dame was like pumped about what he did. It's not like, you know, obviously it's not the same as playing in front of the Portland faithful, but I, I think that you know, they've done as good a job as they possibly could at, you know, recreating the NBA experience and doing it in a safe way. And I I like, I think, I know it's hard with football with so many players, but I think that mostly the fact is, and this is just the case in professional life, most people just don't want to do the work, you know, they don't want to do the prep work necessary to, you know, to have a successful outcome. And I think the NBA did an absolutely fantastic job of living out exactly what their plan was. And that's why you're seeing, such an incredible rate of success here so far for them.
1: Yeah. And it, they, they, they took a lot of uh, attention to, to detail too. I mean, I, as yes. much as like they're, they're, they're only allowed to, to do specific uh, activities. Like they can go fishing or they can, there's like specific things they can do and specific restaurants they can order takeout mm-hmm. from. Specific, right. like it, they, can they, they, they thought of like, they thought of everything in the sense that, you know, there's nobody allowed into the resort. There's it, it, there's nobody in, nobody out. Mm-hmm. I, and and they've made it as comfortable as possible. I think it was C.J. McCollum that, that I was listening to an interview, and he talked a little bit about the experience and how it's been for him. And he said, you know, under the circumstances, I can't think of a better situation. Obviously, there have been a few players that have said, my room situation is not the best or whatever. But for overwhelmingly positive uh, feedback from a lot of people. And I know that there mm-hmm. are, uh, it's obvious that not – a hundred percent of the players that are playing in the NBA right now in this bubble would have voted for being there. But now that they're there, I feel like they feel safe. And that's kind of been what I've heard from the majority yeah. of the people I've listened to.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that it's, yeah, like you said, I mean, it, it helps that, you know, it's basically a sprint. It was eight games for some of these teams and then it's the playoffs and who knows how long some of these teams will last. So that makes it a little bit easier to know you don't have like a full season to go, but look, baseball had a 60 game season. That's like nothing. I mean, they could have easily done this. And I mean, you're talking about guys like Mike Clevenger can't come to Chicago without going out with his buddies and like putting the whole team at risk, you know? Like, I mean, I just like, I I think that the NBA went in there though, knowing that players were going to want to do the things they want to do. It's just the fact of, you know, of life and, you know, and they did a good job of accommodating that as best they could. And, you know, for players that didn't want to, they had the option of opting out. And, you know, I think that's why you're seeing so many hiccups in the MLB situation as opposed to the NBA. And, you know, let's not like kid ourselves. And the fact is that the NBA, there are a few way, way fewer players. I mean, I think like the total number of players that are in the bubble for the NBA are the same as like, what, three teams in the NFL, right? Like in a normal training camp, you've got like 80 guys. So or 90 guys. And so like, it's hard to recreate that aspect of it. But I do think that like the testing and the bubble situation is all it's all good. And you can tell that they've kind of relaxed some of their requirements. Like I saw a LeBron interview today where he doesn't have his mask on and it's not like a complete, you know, it's not completely under wraps, but it's still I don't know. It's still they're still doing a good job of it. And I think everyone is being safe and smart. and You know, we can all learn a lot from that probably.
1: Yeah, you touched a lot on on baseball, and I think that we can agree that there was probably a better way. And you mentioned how they could have gone the spring training route, uh, something along those lines. We've obviously you 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 mentioned the Blue Jays situation where they didn't have a place to play in, uh, until a couple days before oh, the season. I'm the Marlins obviously were kind of the first the first real rough situation. I think they had 16 players and staff or, or something when it was all said and done that had tested positive. Um, you have the Cardinals now that are that are kind of facing a difficult situation. I think it was the Phillies that had a couple others, a few a few players that tested. So I I, I know we don't think that this was handled as well as it could have been for Major League Baseball, and obviously there was a lot of negotiation between the Players Association and the league, uh, and it was a lot of pushback from both sides. And I, I think there was a better way to handle it, and it could have gotten done a lot quicker. But here we are, right? Mm-hmm. We are where we are, and I really want your thoughts on, as to how this plays out because there's going to be more positive tests. It's it's inevitable, and there's going to be more situations where games are postponed. How much of an impact does that have on you know an asterisk laden season? You know, if there's teams that that play twenty games less than other teams, are, are we going to be looking at this season as kind of a yeah, well, that was twenty twenty. Who cares? Who you know? That that's what I'm afraid of with this season. Is it? Mm-hmm. You know, if if obviously this isn't going to happen. But say the White Sox win the World Series. Does anybody even remember that? Like, does anybody look <laughs> back? I mean, they'll remember it for obvious bad reasons. But I just, what is this? The impact on the way that this is going, and how bad could this potentially get?
0: I mean, I yeah, I I think that they totally bungled it. But I think that it's fallen on the teams to be responsible for themselves, you know, like the players are now beholden to each other. And I do think you're seeing positive tests come down a bit. Um, I, I mean, I might be naive, but I do feel like things are getting better. And I think that it's almost a good thing that it happened so quickly and so widespread to the Marlins specifically. I, I mean, not to wish that on anyone, obviously that sounds terrible, but I, you know, I've said this to you before, I, I truly believe this. If If that had happened to the Cubs, or the Yankees, or, you know, the Dodgers, I don't think we're still playing baseball right now. And the fact that it was the Marlins and it was that early and it was so pretty much isolated. I mean, they basically transferred it, I believe to the Cardinals. I I mean, I think that, you know, like there's, it could have gone a lot worse. And I think the players realize they're on high alert now because they can ruin the whole season for everybody in the league. Like one dude, can basically put himself in the position of ruining it for everybody on his team and across the board. And I, I do think that, you know, that's something everyone's cognizant of. That being said, you're right. There will be po- more positive tests. There will be series that are canceled. And I I just can't help but think like, you're right. There is going to be an asterisk next to this. I My guess is that by the time that we're talking about the playoffs, you know, the teams that are left are going to be the ones that were the smartest relative to COVID and taking care of themselves and you know, so if we get Dodgers Yankees in the end, I don't know that people are going to be thinking about it like, ah, oh, that was a bullshit championship, you know like, I, I think that it, what it will impact though is like, right now the Cardinals have played 12 less games than the Reds.
1: Yeah, that's and, what I mean if it's, 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 it's the Cardinals, you know let's say they play 40 games and, mm-hmm. and another team plays 60 are they going to base who gets in based on their win percentage or have a plan that's like, yeah. those are things that probably weren't thought of you know prior to this all and they're going right. to end up being things that are going to need, need to be decided on the fly and then at, at that point i think it becomes a little bit of a watered down you know kind totally. of a, kind of a joke almost
0: it almost is anyway i mean they're they doubled the teams that make the playoffs like i mean it's 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 already a little bit of an asterisk from that perspective so like I, I hate to say it this way, but, like, I think it kind of depends on who wins and, like, how it happens, you know? Like, if we if we have it where, you know, the teams that are in it have all their good players and, you know, and it's not, like, a COVID situation. The other, then, you know, then it's real. The other thought I had is, like, we're seeing a lot of pitcher injuries because, you know, the ramping up is not, you know, the way that these pitchers are used to pitching. And, and you know, we know that baseball is, like, A very sensitive sport relative to arm you know health and specifically with pitchers and we've seen a lot of guys opt out and that sort of thing i i do wonder if as the season goes on and the pitchers get quote unquote ramped up like if their arms aren't going to be prepared for that sort of workload and that it creates issues for them that you know that damage certain players health and you know and Like, so non COVID health related issues basically possibly affecting the outcome. Now, again, I think that people will be less, um, consider that less of like a random one off, but I do think that that's a factor because of the way that the season got ramped up. So I basically like, yeah, I I do think that, you know, we're all going to say, oh, yeah, that was just 2020. But if it's like the Yankees or the Dodgers, I, I'm not sure that people will really think about that in three or four years. Now, if it's a White Sox, then yes, they definitely will because it would be a joke.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Well, how's it impacting fantasy and, and, and betting? I mean, obviously, uh, you bet on a game, it's the result of the game, right? But mm-hmm. with fantasy, I, I mean, I know we've talked about it. I've opted out of fantasy baseball this season, and I, I know that, you know, it's going on. But obviously there's injuries in any sport and that impacts your lineup in any fantasy situation. But when there's games and series being canceled, I, I have to assume it, it's going to impact, you know, did it impact oh, yeah. you from a drafting standpoint or uh, how, how is that kind of played out? I, I, I'm i curious to hear It's that. a
0: cluster. Fuck man. It is a complete cluster. Like it's, it's a mess. Um, you know, if you rostered a Cardinal, like if you drafted Jack Flaherty, for example, who's, you know, came into the season as probably a, you know, a, a dark, not even really a dark horse, side young candidate, maybe a top three or four. And you're in a, a league where pitching, you know, gets you a lot of points, especially in a year where pitching is really, you know, we've seen um, starting pitchers pitch less than any other year already in terms of innings per game. And, you know, we have openers and that sort of thing. So where you have like a true workhorse ace that you drafted early or for a lot of money in an auction, I mean, you're basically screwed. Or if you, You've drafted Paul DeYoung, if you drafted, you know, Paul Goldschmidt, any of these guys, I think that you've been put in a really tough spot, like right off the bat. And I've I've been mostly fortunate that I didn't have any Marlins and, you know, not a whole lot of Cardinals. But, you know, you get impact. I mean, the Cubs didn't play this weekend against the Cardinals. That's a lot of fantasy players for a lot of people. And I, I think, you know, and then the other aspect of it from a gambling perspective, especially, is the double header rule where you have the seven you know, seven inning games. And so like now a complete game is, you know, like a, basically a quality start for most games. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that there's, there's a lot of that, that definitely impacts waiver wire pickups. And, you know, I, I will say I traded, I had Paul DeYoung in one of my leagues and I traded him and I know that the guy that traded for him had the expectation that he was going to get a full season um basically in like four weeks of Paul young, and I was just willing to do it because I didn't know when the Cardinals would be back. Now Paul De Young literally the next day found out that he had COVID and, you know, and the Cardinals haven't played since then. So I, I, I mean, I've been fortunate in that way, but I think that a lot of people seasons are already off the rails because of all this. And um I think that, you know, like I, I am a commissioner of a league and I, I know I went into it saying like, look, we have to just expect that there's going to be a lot of unconventional stuff. And, you know, this relates to a league that you're a commissioner of, which was basketball. I mean, you have, as a commissioner have to be sort of nimble in understanding like this. Things change quickly. And just like Commissioner Manfred or anybody else, like we're all kind of just figure, figuring it out as we're going, you know. And so um, that's kind of like how we dealt with it, too.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that transitions nicely to, to the NFL. And I, my my first question with the NFL, because obviously we want to talk about how that all plays out. And and but what can the NFL learn from the way these other leagues have handled it? Uh, when you look at kind of the issues that that Major League Baseball have had, and, and the successes that the NBA has had,
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: you look at the NFL, and you have you know several players opting out, and I'm sure there will be more and more players that do that. How much of an impact can that have on this NFL season? And I mean, really, it, it could. If this happens in the NFL situation, it could be significantly more impactful than a than a baseball season just because of the sheer amount of people on a team on a staff. So true. I mean, you've got what eighty eighty people on a on a team with their staff that, that oh yeah that, that you potentially probably. so. Yeah. What can they learn from these other leagues? I'm surprised that they haven't. I mean, uh, they've they've postponed the post the the preseason now, right? Completely. I know initially mm-hmm. they said two games. Now it looks like there's going to be no preseason, which yep. is uh, that's already odd in and of itself. Um, mm-hmm. But but do you think that there is a way that they can, I guess, adjust anything to, to to try to make it more safe? I mean, could they could they do like. Four four locations where you know teams split off. I I don't know if they would adjust the this, this schedule like that, but I just feel like there's got to be a better way because I, I I really worry about this football season getting just 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 uh, becoming a complete nightmare from the beginning.
0: I totally agree. I think you know the the biggest issue I think of when I think of the NFL specifically is meeting rooms. Right, you have all the defensive players together, all the offensive linemen together, all the quarterbacks together. And I think that, you know, like the idea of one defensive lineman getting COVID and what happens when you have, you know, again, there's no preseason to your point. So like those practices, they need to be padded practices. That means offensive linemen and defensive linemen are going at each other. You know, there are close quarters. There's no way to play football the way you play baseball. You know, like you can't be, you can't put space between players. And then on top of that, there are no restrictions on travel. Like they are, they are maintaining a schedule with literally no changes right now, at least as far as like travel airplanes going from city to city across the country doesn't matter. Right. They're just, they're just doing it the way that they normally do it. Just no fans. And so. Some stadiums are
1: still on the fence about that. Right. Some some teams are saying 30% capacity, 50% capacity. I assume that that'll continue to move. Like, How do you do that? What are you going to do? You're going to like have six feet of separation at the gate. Like I've been to several NFL games and every single time it is a shit show trying to get into the game, regardless of what time you get there.
0: Totally. Yeah, no, I, I mean, there's just really, I can't even imagine how they're going to, they would try to maintain that. Um, So yeah, I, I, I don't see fans in the stadiums for sure for the first half of the season and probably the whole season, which is going to be so weird because like at least in basketball, you know, you can kind of like surround it in a dome in an indoor stadium, like in football, it's just going to be so weird. Um, but yeah, I mean, like again, meeting rooms to me is a big concern because like one defensive lineman gets it. Now all the defensive linemen get it. You know, you're all like in a room together. I mean, you're, you're in a locker room right next to each other. I just, I, I find it really hard to believe. And I think that, you know, I've seen a couple of players say this, but Two things. Number one, Roger Goodell is so stubborn that he's going to play this season. And and I don't mean that negatively. Like, if for better or for worse, he's going to do this his way, you know? And barring just an absolute meltdown, I do expect them to play the season out. But number two is, like, if that is the case, then the team that's the most responsible and healthiest is going to win the Super Bowl. Like, I mean, I don't think you're going to see a normal season because, like, look, if, if you don't have... Patrick, the, the margin for error in the NFL is so thin, you know, like it's like, it's 10 and six. I mean, there's 16 games. If you go nine and seven, you're not in. If you're 10 and six, you're in. That's so, that's so small. And if you lose a player to COVID for two games, like your season is kind of screwed, you know, and so. Quarterback
1: gets it. I mean, quarterback. What what about your whole quarterback room?
0: Yeah. (laughs) What if, what if Tom Brady and, you know, what if Breeze and Jameis and, you know, Taysom Hill, I'll get it. Like I had to now throw
1: Jameis' name on this show at some point. <laughs> I, had
0: to, <laughs> I had to, I really
1: can't wait to draft him. He'll probably, <laughs> he probably will give the entire league COVID.
0: <laughs> He'll definitely be throwing it to the other team. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that there's a lot. And, you know, I've seen, I think Matt LaFleur's talked about this. Other coaches have talked about like having almost a designated survivor situation where you have a quarterback quarantined away from the other quarterbacks. And every team is going to likely hold three. I think Zach Taylor's actually said it too, from what I saw. So it's that's a it's just a wild idea, but I think that teams are going to have to do it that way. And you know, I just going back to your original point, I, I just I can't imagine the NFL season going off without a hitch. But um, the other thought I had too is like the NFL is a league of you know the manliest of men. You know, there is a lot of machismo in that league, and I think that. You know, to the extent that they're not being tested and have to report symptoms, you're just not going to see that very much in the NFL, I don't think. And it's going to be very difficult to monitor what 80, 100 people do, right? And so, I think it's, I think the NFL is destined for some major hiccups here.
1: But they are testing, right? Aren't they testing daily or weekly? I, I, I think they're testing are relatively they? often. But I, I just, I don't know that 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 uh, that that they're going to be reporting the, the, the testing.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know either. I think it's going to be, as you can hear, there's already someone being chased down out here outside of my street. But yeah, there's, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of, there are going to be a lot of issues, but I do think that the NFLPA did a good job of negotiating with the NFL for the first time, like ever, basically. And, um, and the testing, you know, they've, they've all approved of it. So it's not like one side is going to be liable for not. Yeah. Um, I mean, did he, I misspeak? I don't know. I honestly
1: don't know what the testing protocols are for the NFL, but I thought I had I think heard it's multiple that...
0: times a week. Okay. Yeah. But okay. It might just be some groups and I'm not sure if it's only in the preseason or what, but like, I know that the players were very annoyed. I know Russell Wilson was at the front of that line. Um were very, very upset with the lack of formal procedure. And I think, so that's what scares me is that like, again, the prep work may not have been done so that the players felt safe going in. Um, but, you know, I, I'm really eager. So Hard knock starts tonight. I'm really eager to see what they show as far as, like, what the protocol, what the protocols are and whatnot for those two organizations and if there is, like, a standard operating procedure um, for them. So it should be interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're right, though. I think you kind of nailed it with the fact that the NFL is probably going to be the league that has the least – you know, structure around what to do about this situation because they mm-hmm. they they are the probably the the ones that would put safety lower than any other league. I mean, we've, we've I mean, seen that with concussion? concussion situations. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, I, I mean, I, and you hate to you know blackball the NFL for for that, but that's just the nature of 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 the beast we're talking about here. And I, I feel like I feel like the most for the most part. I mean, you're going to have more people opt out for sure, but I feel like for the most part, these players want to play you know they Mm -hmm. want it to be a safe situation but most of them want to play so does that you know this is a fantasy this is a betting show does it does it change your strategy going into to drafts I know you know a few of my leagues haven't even determined if we're going to continue them this year Mm -hmm. uh it it, it, does it does it impact your strategy I mean I would I, I would just I guess I would Probably just look at it like, you know, if it happens, injuries happen. You can't control what's going to exactly. happen. So, but, but is there any, any implication there with, with, uh, you know, a change in strategy?
0: That's a really great question. I, I mean, I think you have to go into it the same way. You're right. Like, I mean, I, I'm always a little bit risk averse. Um, I think in general, at least initially. Um, but it's hard to not think about it. Like, it, it's like, <laughs> I, I mean, it's probably stupid, but, like, is this guy injury-prone? Does he seem kind of sickly? I don't know. But like, or, does you know. He, or does he
1: seem like the type of guy that can't, you know, make smart decisions and not go exactly. out every weekend? I think that's exactly. even more, you know, uh, important. But but and you look at a team say, like the Patriots, though, and they've had – sorry uh, to cut you off, but they've had no several, several players opt out. So do you draft less Patriots because you would expect them to be less successful with less players playing – this season,
0: I think you have to think about that. I think you have to think about, you know, areas, hot spots. I think that you have to think about who are the stricter coaches. And again, like you said, like, I mean, the, there are certain locker rooms that are obviously a little more lax than others. I will lean to the ones that are, you know, that I, I expect better, I, I guess, I, yeah, better, exactly, better discipline better leadership. And, you know, I, I, yeah, I will lean towards those teams. I'm sure I will. I, I mean, I think that generally you kind of maybe uh, under the radar subconsciously kind of think about that stuff probably when you approach a draft, but more so this year, I think that the move has to be for some risk aversion. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you have to think about it that way.
1: Do you, and do you think that the NFL starts on
0: time week one? I do. Yeah, I really do. I do because again, I think that Roger Goodell is just like so, just dead set on doing things his way. Yes, he postponed the draft and he did it a little bit differently. Actually, I don't think he postponed the draft. There was just they didn't have like the pro days and whatnot, but that wasn't even really their decision. Like I think that, um, you know, they they were they did a good job of. Oh God, sort the draft!
1: Of, the draft was so so brutal with, was, with him in was, his
0: basement like
1: that. Oh. Yeah.
0: But he still, he still, you know, no matter what everyone was saying about it being tone deaf and whatnot, they still got it off and they they did amazing ratings for that reason because they were the only game in town. Yeah. and um, they, you know, do I, I, they, they knew that oh, too. They capitalized on Of it. course they knew. And and that's what they see. And you know what else they see? They see open Saturdays, wide open Saturdays now. They don't have, you know, they, they've they got this whole extra day or two days of, of games that they can put on. I mean, sure, maybe you'll still see the SEC play. But you're still going to have a lot of time where, you know, people are going to be staying up late watching the pack 12 after dark or, you know, the Big Ten has a big night game. That's not going to be there this year. So this season, at least. And I think that that's a major opportunity for them.
1: Do you think they'll adjust week uh, the, the games right at the beginning of the season? Or do you think that's something that would come into play a little later on? Like, do you think they're going to do Saturday games and adjust the schedule right off the bat? I mean, I, I think they should ratings wise, but...
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. But I think that they're able to do Like, they've done that in the past, you know. You have flex games the Sunday night. We've had weather situations that push games to Tuesday. We had, like, the Mexico City thing. And I know those are kind of one-offs, but they've proven they can do that. And it, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that was something that happens, you know, in the next few weeks because I don't know that it really, like, impacts a team's season in their planning all that much, you know. They will I think they'd much rather do that than postpone at all, and you know they they can postpone a little bit because of the fact that like you know they don't have fans in the stands right now, and you know again they're going to be the only game in town, and increasingly the only game in town the further they push they take the can down the road, but I yeah I I I expect them to play Saturday games. I would be surprised if they don't.
1: Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm really anxious to see how this all goes yeah. out. Obviously I hope that things go smoothly and I don't anticipate that they, they will go perfectly, but mm-hmm. I feel like it, it, it's a, it's a big deal for the the future of sports though. If the NFL can get through this season, I feel like a lot of other leagues are going to look to that. I mean, they're, they're, it's the biggest league, obviously in this country, one of the biggest leagues in the world, if not, you know, maybe competing with uh, premier league soccer, but I, I, mm-hmm. I I don't know. I think if, if we can get through this season without a lot of hiccups, obviously there's going to be some fluidity to it and, you know, we'll have to adjust on the fly, but I, I think mm-hmm. that that's going to be an important thing for, for how leagues handle it going forward. I know the NBA's already come out and said that, that it's likely they'll play in a bubble all of next season
0: and a shortened season. Wow. Yeah. I mean, oh man, that's crazy, but yeah, I mean, it makes sense. They're already talking about that and, I Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that they, I, I most importantly, I think it sets a precedent for the college seasons. Because to your point earlier, like, I mean, they're not getting compensated right now. So it's hard to fault any league for, you know, for not wanting any, any school or any league for not wanting the liability of what might happen down the line. Because we don't have any legal precedent around, like, what if our entire team gets COVID and they, you know, form a class against us and sue us, you know, like, and so you know, for, for the NFL to get through a season, I think that it would, you're right. I think it would set that in concert with the MLB would set a good precedent for leagues to get that going, you know, next year. Um And you know that with a vaccine and what, what, you know, we're learning more about the virus every day, I think. And so hopefully we'll be able to, to get to that point next year. But yeah, NFL, the NFL, one thing I'll give Roger Goodell a ton of credit on is he is definitely not afraid. Like, with or without the bubble working, he's doing things his own way. And it may turn out to look really, really stupid, but he's just going with it, man. He is not he is not hesitating. And um, I think that that's something, you know, there's stubbornness with, you know, some reason behind it. And then there's stubbornness that's just completely ignorant. And we'll, we'll see what side of the coin he ends up on. We know which one that Rob Manfred ended up on.
1: I mean, I, I, I certainly hope it works out. I know that uh... – if for nothing else, then then there's a little baby boy Kana that uh, needs to be born on a Packer <laughs> Sunday. I just I feel like it's only fitting that uh, that he he's born on an Aaron Rodgers victory day. So oh,
0: I hope so, buddy. Yeah, I truly
1: do. Had to, had to get that in there, but uh, yeah. I
0: appreciate that.
1: Yeah, there's a lot going on. Uh, I'm happy to be back doing this with you. I know we've got a lot of things we want to talk about in coming shows. We'll have Bovada back in the fold and talk some betting lines next week. And uh, we're just excited to be able to talk sports again. I know it's weird. Obviously, you mentioned Dame Lillard. I mean, putting up 61 after 51 yesterday or the day before, whenever it was. I mean, he is just – you just get excited seeing these storylines, and now, you know they're potentially going to get in as the eight seed. And the Lakers have lost three out of four. You've got the Suns who are four or five and oh since they've been in the bubble. There's just there's some pretty cool storylines in the NBA. Baseball, you know, we're just trying to get through it and putter along, and then the, the NFL's the NFL's just right around the corner. It's just it's just exciting to have that back, and when when it's it, it felt like forever that we didn't have anything.
0: I know. I mean, it it was forever. But you take <laughs> it for I, granted.
1: You take it for granted. Totally. I mean,
0: yeah, I and I would say we even do now, but I'm looking forward to when we, I'm just glad we have it. totally agree with you. I mean, it's fine that we're saying, you know, that there might be some caveats around it. Like, yeah, they won, but they're in a bubble. Yeah, they won, but there are no fans. There are no home court's advantage, but still like, dude, it's still basketball. It's still football. It's still, you know, and in some ways, I think that the better teams are winning, are going to win, you know, because, like, as long as the players are healthy, like, we're, we're getting, like, a true neutral site, basically, set of games. And I think that that's, that's a, just a really cool concept that we never would have otherwise had. So from that perspective, it is cool. And um, like you said, like, it's cool to just think of Damian Lillard scoring, you know, 110-plus points in two games without saying – yeah, but it was in a bubble. I mean, it was it was awesome, no matter what it was, where it was. So it's it's pretty cool to have that back and like to have something to watch and talk about for sure.
1: Agreed, agreed. Anything that uh, you think we missed? Anything we want to add before we let our listeners get back to their week?
0: I'm just I'm just excited. I'm excited we're doing this again. I, I definitely was. I hope it came through. Like it's it's exciting that we're getting to do the show again and. Uh, Obviously, we're very grateful for the opportunity to do it and to uh, get compensated for that, which is crazy. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we don't uh, we don't suck too hard.
1: Yeah, and if there are anybody listening for the first time, obviously, you know, it's the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. We are a fantasy and betting show primarily. Obviously, this show went a different direction because we're getting back into the fold. So we'll go back to that and, and be heavy on that in future shows. And it will be a weekly show. We'll try to get it out around Wednesday every week. And, uh, you know, it, it's, 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 it's fun. We're excited to do it again. And we're just happy to be talking sports uh, over the airwaves and not uh, just to each other via text constantly. So
0: <laughs> that's right. But it is cool to be able to do it with you, buddy. It's always uh, truly a pleasure.
1: Likewise. For Anshu I am Josh Dunn. This has been the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. We'll see you guys next week.